0: Hey, this is Brenna Blaine, and you're listening to, Can I Say That? Hey
1: everybody, this week on the show we have, well, we have a lot of people actually. We reached out to some people we've met in various different ways uh, through YWAM and asked them about their experience in YWAM. And so just in case you don't know what YWAM is, which is totally fine. It's an acronym, actually. It stands for Youth with a Mission. It's a non-denominational missions organization uh, that focuses on both training and mobilizing youth to do missions work around the world. And Verna, you and I have, I would say, different experiences um, within YOM, even going through the same base. And the purpose of this podcast is to ask hard questions. How is the topic of Youth with a Mission a hard question?
0: Mm. Well, I think I've wanted to do this podcast for a while and it's interesting because when I went to do my YWAM, it was five years ago and I could count. On less than one hand, the amount of people I knew that had done YWAM. And so the only things I knew were like the function of it, like what the actual structure was, but I didn't really know anyone's experiences. And when you typed it in online, you got like a lot of different things, but were primarily maybe from like the 80s or 90s. And so (laughs) since then, being back, it's been five years, four years since yours. I can count maybe like 40 people that we know that we've talked to in person that have done YWAM at some point in time. And so it's becoming uh, way more popular, but I still continue to get people who come up to me and say, I expected this out of my time in YWAM and it was the complete opposite whether that was good or bad and so I wanted today to be a little bit of a platform to answer more people's questions because there are people who have really really great experiences in YWAM and there are people who have really horrific experiences in YWAM and I feel like you don't often get to hear a well-rounded representation of both sides. And so I wanted to provide a vehicle for that conversation to take place. For those who are wondering, should I do YWAM? Or those who are wondering, am I the only one who had this type of experience? So I hope you guys enjoy the different format that we're going with today and gain some insight about what YWAM is like.
2: YWAM.
3: YWAM. YWAM. YWAM.
0: YWAM. 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 YWAM is a hard thing to describe to people because there are so many different bases around the world. And they don't really follow a particular format in terms of how they're supposed to run what they run. They just run schools and outreaches. But in terms of what they do that can look different from base to base and so because of that you end up with a lot of people with a lot of different experiences and for you austin you had a really great experience would you say it was 10 out of 10
1: yeah 10 out of 10 really uh well, maybe <laughs> nine and a half. Nine. why was that so i think kind of foundationally i would say i i was 22 I, a lot of people that Go into a DTS are fresh out of high school, eighteen, which yeah. is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but I had already spent four years working, going to college, had been easing into adulthood. Mm-hmm. So when I went, I was very uh, focused on what I was, why I was there. For me, it was a because I felt like the Lord was calling me to do that, and B really wanted to grow in my understanding um, and be very intentional about that and intentional with my time in. Wherever I was going to go, I didn't know at the time when I went. As I said, foundationally, I feel like I had a good experience because I was—I think I was there for the right reasons, which is not to call anyone else out, but just to say, I, was, I already had a good starting point, and I had really good leaders. So typically, for a team, you go to a school, not always, but a lot of times there's more than one team within a school, and then different teams go to different places around the world for their uh, missional part of their DTS which is usually one guy and one girl leader. Both my guy and my girl leader were great. They were fantastic. They were super respectful of me and everyone on my team. Just innately, because it's a group of people, each of us, I'll say students on the team, were all in different places of our walk, had very different stories. uh, And I felt like both of them did a really good job at meeting each of us individually where we were in our faith, where we were growing and our gifts, and, and they were not overbearing. Um, and both of them, I feel like, as well as uh, the overall school leader, were there for the right reasons.
4: I look at my time with YWAM in two parts, my time as a student and my time as a staff member. I would classify my time as a student as incredible, life-changing, all around, just wonderful. I mean, it wasn't without its negatives, but in general, it was amazing. Uh, The year before my first course with YWAM was a year filled with a lot of doubt for me. I doubted Christianity to be the truth I doubted god 's existence so i I went to y o m as a Christian whose belief was solely based on emotion. And then, even just after the first week of lecture, my faith started to be built on reason and logic, and I learned about things like the reliability of the Bible, how we can look to science to support the existence of God. We looked at other religions, like we started to really dig into it, and I now had reasons for my faith that didn 't have anything to do with emotions or feelings or circumstances even uh, it just it really changed my life. And my walk with God, it wasn't based on emotion anymore. I learned how to truly study the Bible, read it in the most effective way. I read the entire Bible for the first time in my life. I got to travel to other countries and share about my faith with the people there. I made some of the most wonderful friends who were from all over the world. I learned practical things even like uh, how to handle confrontation or how to speak in front of a crowd. I gained a lot from my time as a student with YWAM.
5: Whenever I think back to my time in YWAM, I always think of it as one of the most impactful seasons regarding my walk with God and my faith that I've had thus far in life. I look back at the experience fondly, but also with a little bit of confusion. (laughs) But I would say that my time in YWAM changed my relationship with God. the better. I think that it grew me spiritually and emotionally and just in my understanding of what our purpose as Christians is. Uh, How it changed my relationship with God is I finally felt like I met him for the first time. I've grown up as a Christian my whole life and I feel like I knew a lot about God but During my time in YWAM, I met him and I understood his character and uh, his love far better than I ever had before. I think that's because of the devoted time in YWAM that you have to learning about God, being in the Bible and worshiping and evangelizing and all of that stuff where it's hard to do that all the time in your everyday life in the same way at home. And so I really feel like it grew me as a a believer and spiritually I was pushed to my limits and past my limits and my understanding of the spiritual realm and spiritual gifts and just what that looks like in real life was challenged because I had never really experienced a lot of those things. I had never experienced anyone speaking in tongues or Healings or anything like that. And so I would say that it opened my eyes to the Holy Spirit's work and how the Holy Spirit can work through me and work through others. And I feel like I gained a better understanding of the heart of God and His character. And I just fell in such deep love with God while I was there because I was spending, you know, every morning, every single morning, I was spending an hour in quiet time. And then I was spending the rest of the day learning about God and or serving God, or you know, it was just it was so much time spent in God's presence that I I felt like it was with me always, and I started to recognize who God was more, and I brought that home with me, and I feel like it, it really changed my relationship with God forever and for the better.
3: Why, when um, especially DTS the leaders and the staff. They create a really good atmosphere for a good community. I think that's pretty um, worldwide as far as wildem goes. They're pretty good at community. You make really good friends, and it's actually hard not to make good friends because of how much you experience and because of how much time you spend together, seeing each other in good moods and bad moods and irritable moods and and um, moods where you're just like filled with the spirit, really passionate, and that really that really kind of grows your relationship with other people. Uh, So that's one really good thing about them.
2: YWAM is a really awesome organization and their heart to get people to know God and make him known, for me, I feel like was really exemplified in all the bases that I was a part of. I think having a separate six months where you're away from your environment and you're away from what you know, to learn about yourself and learn about who God is and who he says he is really kind of builds foundation, more foundation um, and deeper foundation. And that's what it did for my life. Um, There was a lot of like confirmations that happened um, and a lot of reminders about God's character and his love for me. And I think another thing that was really interesting impactful for me was my leaders. You know, most of the people and staff that I've known in YWAM over the years, the way that they have practiced what they've preached has been really impactful because I think it's really easy to preach and it's really easy to, you know, teach the same lessons over and over again. But i found that A handful of the people who taught me and led me in YWAM were practicing what they preached and they were vulnerable about their imperfections and open about their imperfections and not in like a humble brag sort of way, but in a very like real, raw, like I'm currently struggling with this, even though I'm your leader, can you pray for me? And so, you know, those sorts of things were really encouraging to me and I think helped build my character as a Christian and reminded me that I can be vulnerable and real with people that I'm discipling or walking through life with.
6: For me, coming from a more conservative Christian background, I would say that there was a little bit of culture shock going to serve with YWAM as it's definitely a little bit more um, charismatic than what I was used to but I really enjoyed my DTS, I had a great experience, I had a great outreach, I met a lot of amazing people, and uh, overall my experience was just really, really good. So I decided to go back and serve as a staff member for a few years after I finished my DTS. To be totally honest, I was pretty nervous when I arrived for staff because I didn't feel like I really knew what was to be expected of me, I didn't really know if I was spiritual enough um, or if I was gonna be a good leader but I felt like most of my fears were quelled when I had new staff orientation with the base leader. This is kind of a theme that I saw throughout my time on staff there of transparency.
7: My experience with YWAM overall was a pretty good one. Although I did experience a few challenges along the way, I would say that the program really did benefit my my own personal walk with God and my own faith. Leaving home for six months is a really big challenge for anybody and to be in a group of teenagers or early 20s and have so many people in one space and so many different personalities and so many different cultures especially and just learning how to love each other and learn together was amazing. I would say I think the hardest part of I was learning how to work under certain leadership that I didn't agree with, and a lot of this had to do with me and my own personal criticism and skepticism, but I did experience on outreach especially just a little bit of my own rebellion and bitterness towards some of my leaders just because of what they would say or how they would lead, and I would just disagree or feel like things weren't fair or feel like they weren't godly or things like that, which ultimately ended up being a lot of me having to learn about my own personality. Um, but it also taught me how how I want to lead people um, in my ministry and how I want to portray myself and, and like be real and stuff like that. And I feel like without all of those challenges, I probably wouldn't have learned so much and I wouldn't be where I am today. Pretty confident in my faith and how I want to live that out authentically. The charismatic part of YWAM took a little bit of adjusting to, although I do come from an Assemblies of God church. Being around people who worship so hard and are so expressive was a a bit shocking, but I also learned that, like on outreach, that a lot of it was my skepticism or uh, my criticism, but I learned how to express myself in worship and how that works for me is different than how it works for other people and but I just learned how to be more open to that and to also be a little bit more expressive myself because I noticed that I hold back a lot just because of my surroundings but learning how to be super real about how you feel and letting your emotions come out in your worship is supernatural and the main thing I think that YWAM really gave me was the community and the people many of whom I still talk to to almost every day or every day these are people that I keep up with more than some people that I actually live around just because it gave us doing ministry together gives you allows you to grow deeper relationships with people than you would have with others because of those experiences and I think that I will forever be grateful for the friendships and the people that I got to meet through YWAM for sure.
8: Overall my experience with YWAM was really good just based on the fact that like I walked away from YWAM with a greater understanding of who God is and who I am and what I want to do with my life. So that's pretty significant. Yeah, it really, it helped guide me in the direction of where I want to go with my life and the people in YWAM were really significant in doing that just like through normal human relationships, being inspired by certain people's ministries, personalities, like things that they're involved in, just kind of opened my eyes. When I first went to YWAM for the first time, I've been twice. When I first went, I was 18, and I was, you know, it was my first time really away from my hometown, like, for a significant amount of time, and so having YWAM be the context of that was really cool and also really weird, I think. You know, that way I'm, like, whatever, learning and growing, blah, 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 in, like, a Christian environment, like, with really, with people that are, like, led by the spirit and like genuinely want to serve god um but it also like
9: it's just ywam just kind of weird the more time that passes from my time with ywam into watching the experiences of others within the organization i have found myself thinking more and more to myself oh my gosh this group is a cult <laughs> and we used to say once a Wywammer, always a YWAMer, but now I can't think about it without getting major goosebumps.
1: So as we stated earlier, uh, you and I, Brenna, had different experiences. I would say you had a mixed experience. Mm. Um, not outright bad, but definitely not 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, so what, from your experience, would make you hesitant to encourage uh, someone to do a DTS or otherwise be a part of mm. YWAM?
0: Well, I definitely feel like I struggle with some like cognitive dissonance when I think about my time in YWAM because it was a time when God so radically met me in a new way and I feel like he changed me as a person and I fell in love with ministry. But over the last five years as I've been processing, there are two things that I can just cannot reconcile that happened during my time there. And the first is, When I was researching this base before I left, it kept popping up YWAM blank cult. And I thought that was really interesting, especially that it wasn't just one person. But there are a couple different people who had written blogs or articles about this base having cult-like behaviors. And so there's one week of lecture phase where a guy came to speak on apologetics. And that specific day, he's talking about cults like Mormons and uh, JWs. And at the end, he had a question and answer session. So I raised my hand and I said, why do some people think that this base has exhibited cult-like behavior in the past and he just wrote me off and said well anyone can write whatever they want on the internet and kept going and I thought that was a really lame answer for someone who's so smart and so a couple days later I guess it was a taboo question to ask but a friend who was on staff came up to me and said hey I'm not supposed to tell you this but I want to tell you about our base's past and the thing that stuck with me with that was that I'm not supposed to tell you this apparently didn't want the students to know or to be talking about that. And then the second situation I feel like has been a bit more painful to process through, but when I went and started my DTS, uh, I was struggling with an eating disorder and within probably the first week there, I really felt like, wow, I I truly believe God can heal me from this. And it was great living with 17 girls. I shared a room with 17 girls, so I had a lot of encouragement and a lot of accountability, and I felt like it was a really quick transition out of those habits. But part of me wanting to pursue health is that I felt like it was important that I shared this information with my leaders, and it very quickly went from a supportive atmosphere and caring atmosphere to this particular struggle being held over my head and there's constant conversations for the entire six months that I was gone that went like, hey, I'm suspicious of your behavior or hey, I just feel like you're not doing well. And the conversation would always end with, well, we might send you home. That's always an option but you can't talk to any of the other students about this. You can't say that you might be sent home. You can't talk to them about how you're doing because we don't want you to be codependent on them. And that went on for the entire six months, literally until two weeks before graduation. And it was so isolating and painful. And it sucked because the people that I spent the most time with, like I said, I shared a room for the first three months with 17 girls and the last three months with four girls. They couldn't vouch for my behavior. They couldn't say, oh, she's not, she's not engaging in her eating disorder because I wasn't allowed to talk to them about it and I wasn't allowed to ask them, hey, can you be a credible witness for me because someone who isn't with me as much as you all are thinks that I'm operating in a certain way that I'm not. And so I'm 19. I've raised all this money. I'm thousands of miles away from my family and I'm not allowed to process with anyone about the fact that I have no idea if I'm going to be here next week or not. I have no idea. And it's solely based on this person's suspicions or their feelings. I wept every single day of that 6 months and I think it was maybe the week before we were heading back to America and my other leader finally said I don't see any of the things that you are suspicious of. So I look at that and I just say, you have to be really careful and set up good safety for yourself. If you're going to go and be away from your family and your community, you need to be okay with communicating everything that's happening that feels weird. When I first went at 18, I did the DTS,
8: of course, and um, I just have to say that outreach was weird. I But this is just, this is just me. I think that short-term missions are weird. I don't know, you know what I mean? I'm not saying they're bad or like shouldn't happen, but they are, you know, all about the student's experience. And, you know, even though we're aiding and helping out at ministries that already exist in other countries, and like, of course, that's helpful to them. Like, it's not $3,000 worth of help to them. The amount of money that it takes to do YWAM and to send an 18-year-old kid to Indonesia is excessive and of course it's expensive because you're living over there for a long time and I'm not saying it's not worth it like any soul saved obviously is worth more than three thousand dollars like I'm not trying to put a price tag on it but obviously if the real goal is to help other ministries in other countries that could be done a lot cheaper than sending a pretty undereducated kid (laughs) across the world for a couple of months that being said God does things in a weird way, and I don't want to say that I have a better formula for how worldwide missions should be accomplished than YWAM does. I think it's beautiful that God uses, you know, undereducated, idiotic, 18-year-old, crazy kids to accomplish his mission in the world.
2: I think the hardest thing or the weirdest thing about YWAM, depending on location, I'm sure, but my experience has been both like I, I see the pros and cons to kind of living in a bubble and if you happen to do a discipleship training school or a DTS on a base where you're kind of like in the middle of nowhere or just you're just very remote I think it's really... It, it can become unhealthy. And I think the Lord uses spaces like that a lot. Like it removes, you know, anyone struggling with doing things that are results of peer pressure, right? If you're removed from your environment and your peers and your friends and the temptations, then it, it, it makes your growth and your recovery easier and you become a little more clear-minded and able to be discipled but the dangers is I think it can create an us and them sort of reality for people and I saw that um, at at least one of the bases that I was a part of I remember talking to some students and they were talking about learning you know about the worldviews of other people but they weren't talking about those worldviews with love. Like they not the worldviews, but those people who have different worldviews with love. And so it was like, oh, if someone believes this, well then they're like they've they're, you know, caught up in the lies of Satan and in like every description they gave of people who thought differently than them, especially in terms of a different religion. It was like those people It wasn't like compassion, like, oh, my gosh, like they are deceived. Like we need to reach this people group or we need to I need to love my neighbor who believes this and show them, you know, what what the love of Christ is really about. Like I didn't hear things like that. I would hear kind of the opposite, like what's wrong with them? How don't they? like how can they not get it? Even though the, per- the student saying that before the DTS probably was in the same boat where they were, you know, sinning and doing things that God would want them to stop, but instead they were met with love. So I think that was one of the most interesting things where I, I realized we have to be careful when we're being discipled in a bubble and we have to be aware of the world around us and remain in scripture ourselves. You know, and not just let people teach us and uh, not turn to scripture ourselves and turn to the Lord ourselves to ask, you know, what part of this maybe is more about doing right and wrong versus understanding what it means to be loved and to love others in the name of Jesus. So yeah, my, my overall experience was good and it really has impacted my life, but I think people should be aware of the bubbles that can form and the us and them sort of mentalities that can form.
3: YWAM has a relationship rule that they don't want you to date during your DTS. And I myself actually don't know if that's different from base to base or if that's just a whole YWAM thing. But the matter of the fact is, at my base, no one listened to it. It was a little bit weird actually because everyone there is... Uh, legally an adult so I think it's a little bit childish the way they kind of expect people like oh don't date during uh, DTS especially when at least in my DTS and I know other people's DTS there's some people that are students that are twice the age or at least a lot older than the staff (laughs) I think they're just treating a lot of adults like children sometimes but that you know that's my opinion
8: YWAM was one thing when I went there at 18 years old And it felt like a completely other thing when I went at 22. And that was basically because of my life choices and my life experience. I just changed a hell of a lot, like so much over those four years, three or four years, I guess. Just I can't describe how different I was, like what a different phase of life I was in. And when I went back to YWAM at 22... I was genuinely seeking for truth and I didn't know what it was anymore and I was confused and I didn't like being put back into summer camp. I felt like I wasn't being treated like an adult and that I wasn't allowed to like, I think a significant thing for me was I wasn't allowed to dress myself, like of course I did, but I was dress coded so many times for things that are just blatantly not inappropriate, like... I don't dress inappropriate. I'm actually pretty sensitive about that. And I just felt like, wow, like, I don't know. It just felt so small to me. It was like, for real, I felt like a rebel when I went back at 22. Like, I felt like the bad kid or something just because of life experience. Like, it wasn't, I guess I had, I mean, I had made choices that I shouldn't have made over the past few years in between DTS and my secondary school, but it was really weird to come back to this environment where, like, a 19-year-old kid who, like, has zero life experience and, like, just grew up in church and went to YWAM and is supported fully by their grandma is, like, in charge of me as a student, and I guess maybe that's just, like, not humble of me, like, the Lord could speak through that 18-year-old kid and did freaking all the time, like, I, my life was changed by, like, weird little 18-year-old kids, but it's weird, (laughs) like, these kids get, into why I'm at 18, and then like, let's say they do one or two schools, that takes about a year, so they're 19, and then they staff for two to three years, and then they're, what, 21 or 22, and then they go home and they've never had a job. That's weird. Part of my, like, cynical heart when I came back, you know, being put back in what I felt like was summer camp and just led by kids that hadn't had the same life experience that I had when I came back the second time. Part of my cynicism came from the idea that the kids that had stayed at YWAM and just started staffing right after their school and never left, like, I felt like they missed out on life and I had experienced it or something. Not like I held truth, but just like that I had seen other sides of life and really, really grown as a person and, you know, kept my faith but wanted to come back and do a secondary school to, like, understand life better because I had experienced it in a new way and I really was seeking God and I just felt like, wow, these these kids never got to, I guess, like, get out of the box for, like, five minutes to, like, really, truly experience, like, other Things. I guess it felt like, okay, they're teaching me what's right and wrong from, like, a textbook, and that's really judgmental, but I I just felt like, okay, I've had this experience they haven't had, and now I'm being told, you know, just simple, really, really concentrated answers to really, like, deep, broad questions that I was coming back with.
4: My time as a staff member, to be blunt, was discouraging, isolating and a time where I struggled with a lot of depression and some self-loathing. There were a few smaller things that were a bit discouraging simply because they seemed a bit legalistic. There was an there was a whole thing where I was filming a video for a talent show and the song the video was set to was a Taylor Swift song and I got in trouble for playing it out loud because we're only allowed to play Christian music out loud, not anything that's non-Christian. And I blanked and I'm like, oh, let's record the video. I played the Taylor Swift song out loud and then... I got called out and I had to apologize to the school and it was a whole big thing and I felt like it was made a much bigger deal than it should have been for something that was an accident that I didn't like I knew the rule I just like forgot and I was focused on filming it just it seemed like it was blown out of proportion and that was difficult because I'm a people pleaser and so to be called out and um to get in trouble like that was really difficult to deal with (laughs) And then there were quite a few other moments like that that made me question the rules we had and the way we did things. But the hardest part about my time on staff had to do with some health issues I had and the way other staff members treated me in response to those things. So shortly after I joined staff, I quickly became sick. I had extreme fatigue, muscle weakness, brain fog. I couldn't think clearly and I was just exhausted most of the time. Through a lot of testing and research, we found out that I have a genetic disorder called MTHFR mutation. MTHFR stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And the symptoms that it causes fluctuate throughout your life. And it just so happened to be that they became really severe to me when uh, when I began staffing to the point where I realized for the first time in my life that something was genuinely wrong. It wasn't normal anymore. But the hardest part of that whole experience was losing a friendship that I highly valued. I had a really good friend who I'd been a student with and I joined staff at the same time with. And um, she began to ignore me and occasionally give me dirty looks. And if she did say anything to me, it was just usually hurtful. I started to feel like an outcast and I became quite lonely because that sort of became a more normal thing where people kind of didn't treat me the greatest and would kind of say hurtful things. And I began to struggle with some self-loathing and depression. And because genetic orders or disorders are so unusual, things that like I'd never heard of before this, I started to believe deep down that I'd made it up. I began to... I began to secretly agree with the people who told me I could just push through it or choose to feel better. One of the people in a leadership role pulled me aside for a private meeting to talk about the difficulties I was causing. He told me that my friend who started ignoring me, that she had met with the leadership team to file a complaint about my lack of contribution around the base. He said it was starting to cause some friction and I needed to step it up. And I felt so defeated after that meeting because... It confirmed my suspicion that people didn't believe anything was actually wrong with me, and I started to believe it myself. And unfortunately, the rest of my time on staff did not improve much. The best part about being on staff that made it all worth it was the time and investment I got to make in the students, and I made some amazing friends out of those students and got to witness their lives transform the way mine did. So I'm really thankful for the experience I had as a student, and I hope that my negative experience as a staff member was unique and simply due to the specific people I was around at that time on that base.
3: If you're naturally critical in the way that you think, as in the information that you get, you analyze it and you critique it, and you try to find things hidden in there. If you're naturally critical in thinking, like I am, it can be a bit difficult with teaching because there are so many times when teachings um, contradict one another. There'll be people who have never had Education, or have never really learned about um, the biblical language as far as like Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, or had any teachings about culture aspects or anything like that. And then they use a scripture that has a lot of cultural meaning to it. And then they don't, they kind of use it out of context or against the culture. And then if you know the culture of it, you're kind of like, well, teacher, actually that's not correct. But uh, I feel like that's very looked down upon. Like you should respect the teacher, even if they're wrong, kind of. Um, at least that's how I felt it I think it's important to be critical not to be hard and never take anything but not to be so like oh just feed me with information feed me with information that you take a lot of stuff that's not even true Uh, that's not good either so I think the best way is to be a little bit critical um, because there are so many teachers and from so many different denominations and backgrounds, that they will say things that contradict one another, and you will have to kind of guide yourself through all of this.
5: There is a flip side of this spiritual experience that I had with YWM where there was times where they were being spiritually abusive, and I've heard this with different bases, and you know, I just felt like there were times where things were over-spiritualized. Like I had a lung infection once. While I was there, and it was like, you know, Satan's attacking you. You just need to pray harder and you need to sit in bed all day and fight for your 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 soul. And I'm like, no, I have a lung infection. I'm <laughs> just really sick. And when it was time to come home, they wanted me to stay, and they were pressuring me to stay. And I deep, deep down in my heart, I desired to be home. I wanted to be back in my community. And they would tell me that. I wasn't listening to God. I was ignoring God. I was acting like Jonah and <laughs> I was just really confused. That was a that's a good word. I was confused by things spiritually sometimes. I feel like when I got home, I kind of had to sift through everything that I had learned, and I gained so much amazing spiritual growth, but also I had to kind of decide through prayer and thinking about things that are biblical and theologically sound and decide what to take away and what to leave from my experience in YWAM.
9: Some of the weirdest experiences I had were watching people be slain in the spirit, which includes things like passing out, convulsing, or just laughing so hard that they pop a blood vessel in their eye. And I'm not making this stuff up. Other weirdness were things, uh, we did these exercises regularly that were kind of visualization exercises, which involves trying to force visions, whether that student had that particular spiritual gift or not, onto them. I also had a particular teacher who claimed that she had the gift to break soul ties, and she freed me of these invisible bonds while her apprentice shook and groaned while she was praying for me. I honestly... Didn't feel any different, but yeah. (laughs) Another teacher claimed that he had accidentally raised someone from the dead. Oops. Uh, There was another teacher I remember listening to talking about a particular sin being worse than other sins and that people guilty of that particular sin would end up in a worse level of hell than everyone else. And he never once quoted scripture. And I remember... I personally raised my hand and asked him where he got this information, but he had nothing to back it up. Uh, Other students protested what he was saying, they got angry, walked out. But none of the leaders or elders batted an eye at any of it, let alone intervened. It was definitely strange. If YWAM is something you want to pursue for yourself, I warn you to definitely take everything with a grain of salt. My year as a member of King's Kids staff was dotted with a lot of negative experiences that eventually led me to leave the group unfortunately. One example is the time a member of base staff drunkenly banged on my door and tried to force his way into my room. He of course denied everything and so he faced zero consequences. There was also a member of the local community, actually a former student turned drug addict, who took a liking to me and would frequently show up unannounced. He would roam the halls looking for me and yelling my name. However, due to the base's open door policy, I could not have his access to the building restricted by locking the doors. And this of course gave me loads of anxiety. The final straw was when my team itself started to fall apart and leave, and it fell to me to carry the responsibilities of both my now-gone directors and what I was doing before, but I was not allowed to hold the title or given any ability to make changes in our program. The reason? I was an unmarried woman, and therefore I was inherently unable to command the level of respect needed for the title of director. Single men frequently held positions of leadership, but it was very uncommon to see a single woman in higher levels of of leadership alone. It took me a while after this to realize the idolization of couples in the Christian community. And I wish I had realized sooner that this was the ideal that everyone was looking for. It's a common joke within the organization that YWAM actually stands for young women after men. Oh God, I hate that so much. Ultimately, it was all the empty words, gender discrimination, power struggles, and the inaction of the base's mothers and fathers that led me to part ways with that ministry. Weirdness and unsafe situations aside, I was really able to conquer some pretty big personal demons of mine during my DTS. Poor self-worth, bondage of perfectionism, overcoming areas of crippling fear, and the experience of bodily healing. It was the first time in my life that I truly felt completely comfortable in my own skin and accepted for who I am. And on top of that, most of the best friends I've made as an adult are the result of my experience with YWAM. Lastly, unbeknownst to me, at the time of me leaving the organization and partially in thanks to some of my more negative experiences there, A path had been paved for me to evolve my faith beyond the limits I had never known were there, such as my strong views on inequality in the church. Views which I don't believe are what God had intended.
8: I'm called to go to work and raise kids one day. I can't wait to do that. And like have my normal life, a.k.a. doing laundry, going to the grocery store, being around my family, praying for my family, my unsaved friends family members to just live my life as a Christian you know in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and have that impact people and that's normal life and I guess I'm weirded out that YWM's not normal life but I guess to accomplish what it accomplishes it can't be normal
0: life Hey, just before we end, I would like to thank Hannah, Julia, Emma, Emily, and the rest of the anonymous friends who shared on our podcast today. Some of our listeners wrote on some really great questions like, is the work that YWAM does sustainable or ethical? Will they ever address white saving or white theology? Why is it so hard to transition back to home after you do YWAM? And is YWAM really like a cult? Some of those questions might've been answered for you already in some of the interviews that we did today, but if they haven't been, I wanna point you to another great resource. It's a podcast called Failed Missionary, where they talk about YWAM, they talk about the ethics of short-term missions, they have a cult expert come in and talk about, is YWAM really exhibiting cult-like behavior or is it something else? Honestly, after listening to that podcast, It answered a lot of questions that I've been thinking about even before I left for YWAM. So I'll link that to our Instagram page. Thanks again for listening and we will see you in a few weeks.